All right, by now, guys, you know, I love talking about old wrestling. What you might not know is it's not my real passion. My real passion is helping people save money. My real passion is getting families out of apartments and into houses. My real passion is getting people's finances aligned so they can retire on time. I hated going to Walmart and seeing the greeter being 80 years old. She should not be working. She should be home. Why is she still working? Because she still has a mortgage. I want to help avoid that for you. The other thing I want to help you with, let's make sure your kids don't get saddled with student loans. If you've got a student loan, why did you get one? Maybe because your parents still had a mortgage. I'm not saying that to be funny. I'm being sincere. There's only so much money to go around. What I want to help you do is figure out where you are right now and where you want to be long-term. And I do it at SaveWithConrad.com. I've been doing mortgages for more than 20 years. And during all that time, we've helped tens of thousands of families change their life. I mean, routinely, we're helping our podcast listeners save five, six, seven, eight hundred bucks a month, but more importantly, get them out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments. But if you don't think it can happen for you, let me just tell you this. We are not the bank. We don't say no. We say not yet, but here's how. We're going to get you a game plan on how to improve your credit, how to save a little bit of cash and how to get into that dream house. Maybe you're already in the house, but it would be nice if someday we could put a pool in the back or one day we want to upgrade to hardwood floors or remodel the kitchen or get a badass master bathroom. I can help you do all of that with no money out of pocket right now at SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. Check it out. SaveWithConrad.com, NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And hey, y'all, don't take my word for it. Check us out. We've got an A-plus with the Better Business Bureau. And as if that's not enough, go look at our reviews. Read them and weep, haters. ConradReviews.com. You'll see more than a thousand five-star reviews. Our average review is 4.72 stars. Find out how much money you can save. Take control of your life in 2023 by taking control of your finances. We're going to show you how to keep more of your own money. If you've got credit card debt, what are you paying on that? 14%, 28%, you know, you can do better with the mortgage though. You may not know this, the interest you pay is tax deductible. And we can even show you how to skip your next two house payments. So if you can get a lower monthly payment, pay your debt off faster, get a greater tax deduction at the end of the year. And right now, right after the holidays, skip your next two payments, buddy, this is the biggest no brainer in the history of the world. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at savewithconrad.com. Or Hey man, shoot me an email directly. Conrad at savewithconrad.com. Hey guys, need to call a quick time out here. Wanted to tell your listeners what I've been telling my listeners over at OU didn't know for a while now about all the cool things happening over at adsfreeshows.com. The debut of our new Monday Mailbag series is here with a man we love to hate, longtime WCW and WWE referee Nick Patrick. But they didn't know who was going to be the heel up because of her own that the Montreal screw job on there. I said, I guarantee you. I promise you, I will be the heel, and that they are going to hate me far worse than them. Watch this, and if that, and then I went out, and that happened, and they, they say you're right. <laughs> Thirty-four years ago, Jim Ross was on the call for the first match in the classic Flair Steamboat trilogy at Chi Town Rumble, and now he's watching it back on a bonus watch-along edition of Grilling Jr. As far as a match is concerned, nobody's going to have a better match in 1989. Than- 
so many people, uh, you know, this is what got them hooked on wrestling for life, this match. And At Free Shows, members sat shotgun alongside Impact star Frankie Kazarian and Eric Bischoff as the pair reflected on their time together in TNA and answered member questions live. I did as good of a job as I could to substitute for Kurt Angle. There's no fill in those shoes, but I did the best I could. Um, I thought we had a great match, and I uh, subsequently tore my tricep <laughs> in that match. So uh, it was it was a roller coaster of emotions of a day, man. But it was it was cool to be put uh, in that position. Like, hey, well, you know, uh, we're throwing you into the main event. It's basically sink or swim. And uh, I think I carried my weight, and it was it was a real real fun experience, man. One I haven't really talked about a whole lot. That's just a small taste of what we got waiting for you. With four levels to choose from, see for yourself why Ads Free Shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adsfreeshows.com. The recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. This is Kurt Angle, and welcome to the Kurt Angle Show. On the show today, we'll be doing a watch-along of my Iron Man match with Brock Lesnar. But first, let me introduce to you my co-host, Paul Bromwell. How you doing today, Paul? Kurt, I'm doing really good, man. It's great to see you again this week. You and I are recording a little earlier than we normally do, uh, but I'm excited to be here. Here I am. Uh, for those on video, I'm in my little preppy work clothes. I got a, I got a work meeting right after this. But, man, I could not wait for this week because it's all about you and Brock Lesnar and the Iron Man match that happened September 18th, many, many years ago, uh, 2003, to be exact, 20 years ago in SmackDown. And uh, we're going to do a watch-along. We haven't done a watch long in a long time here on this show so but uh don't worry we're not going to play the entire audio for the 48 5 48 minutes now we're uh, we'll mute it we might bring it up here and there i thought it was a whole hour (laughs) (laughs) isn't it something the actually once the ring the bell rings i guess it's wwe time it's a little different so uh i noticed that it actually doesn't go out uh an entire 60 minutes so uh but i want all of you at home go ahead fire up your peacocks and uh, that's what they're watching it on, Kirk. And uh, search for SmackDown. You're looking for Season 5, Episode 38. If you're watching us on YouTube, which I hope you are. By the way, Kurt, I'm so thankful for all of our listeners that are subscribing. Uh, we've hit about 5,000 additional subscribers on YouTube since the end of last year. We're on our way to 60,000, pal. And, uh, so Thank I you, wanna everybody. Th- yeah, I want to thank you guys for that. Uh, but if you aren't watching it there, want to watch along with us, we're going to give you the uh, instructions here. Season 5, episode 38. And then you're going to want to fast forward that episode to 40 minutes and 41 seconds. 
and you'll be right where Kurt and I are going to start watching this match. So the introduction uh, introductions are over. Uh, Kurt's going to have that big uh, WWE Championship belt around his waist, one of my favorite belts, and uh, and we're going to get started here in the minute, Kurt. So again, season five, episode thirty-eight. Fast forward to forty minutes and forty-one seconds, Kurt. Are you ready to do this, my friend? I am ready, Paul. I'm uh, always ready. I've you are. Ready. You are. All right. Well, I'm going to do a countdown, and uh, and I'm going to launch this, and we'll we'll let the audio uh, go for just the first little bit, and then you and I are going to talk through this and talk about you and Brock and everything that was going on around this time. Uh, so with that, again, 40 minutes, 41 seconds, season five, episode 38, in three, two, one, play. Be easy to do, but if any. Two athletes in the world can do it. In the WWE that can do it, be these two men, Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar. This series tied. A game apiece. The rubber match here tonight. Oh, this is big. This is big. And look at Brock Lesnar. A cheap shot by the animal Lesnar. To- all right, Start so up. let me let me hit the mute button here, and Kurt, we're going to jump into it. So uh, Michael Cole says, at this point in the series, you guys are tied at one match each. This is the rubber match. I noticed I went back and watched the beginning of the SmackDown. Uh, it's fun because Vince McMahon kicks off the SmackDown and says, tonight you're going to see WWE's first Olympic gold medalist, Russell Brock Lesnar, in a network premiere of an Ironman match. So there was a, a serious buildup to, to what was about to go down between you two. Yes, it was. And you know what? The whole two-hour show was basically about Brock and I. There were a lot of promotions during the first hour to build up to the second hour. They had a couple of matches uh, for fill-ins, but for the most part, this whole SmackDown was about Brock and I. It really was, man. And uh, wow, what a careers the two of you had. And now the first time you and Brock ever teased uh, having a match against each other is at the Vengeance pay-per-view in July of 2002. But you knew when Brock was signed to the company that at some point, you two monsters were going to be on the big stage wrestling in front of a lot of people, didn't you, Kurt? Oh, yeah. I knew Brock had a big future. I knew my future, my here and now to begin to, to, to start with. But, um, yeah, Brock was really special. You could tell from the beginning that he was going to be a big star. So I was really excited about working with him. Kurt, do you remember the first time you ever met Brock face-to-face? Was it a wrestling meet, something involving pro wrestling? What, what you know was what? You would think I would have met him at an amateur wrestling event or something like that. But the first time I met him, was when he was already signed with WWE. He was already training at OVW, and he came up to TV one night, and that's when we had the discussion that he thought he could beat me in a shoot wrestling match. <laughs> so that was my introduction to Brock Lesnar. When uh, you know he told the Brooklyn Brawler that uh, he would whip my ass because I was too small, I went up and said, oh, so you think you can whip my ass? How about we go right now? And he said, well, I have sandals on. I said, well, I'll take my shoes off. We'll wrestle on our bare feet. He's like, no, no, I don't want to do that. So this is the first time I met him. And uh, I was kind of an asshole to him, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, he was claiming that he could beat me, and I wanted to see if he could. And that's what I want to ask you. Were you an asshole, or were you just tongue-in-cheek kind of half laughing at him? Or were you like, oh, yeah, let's take our shoes off and do it right now? Like what uh, was a little bit of both. I, okay. I really wanted, I wanted to get in there with them, but, but like I said before, when I finally did, 
he beat the shit out of Big Show before I got in the ring with him. The a couple weeks later, he was in there wrestling, shoot wrestling with Big Show, and he was picking him up and slamming him. And Big Show was 530 pounds at the time. I'm like, oh shit, I don't know if I could beat this beast. <laughs> I, was, I was a little nervous. And then I walked in, I told Big Show to leave. He was facing me, and Brock's back was to me, and I tapped Brock on the shoulder. I said, let's go. And he didn't have a choice. So we went. <laughs> Man, the beautiful part as I, we watch this match together, he, for his size, look at him taking the hip tosses, uh, Kurt. He moved like a like a, a, a cruiserweight. I mean, look at him he, in the he's ring. He's like a cat. He really is. He's the most athletic wrestler I've ever wrestled, uh, besides Rey Mysterio, but, you know, the size difference. Is yes. Impossible. But, yeah, Brock, it was... He was a big guy, but he wrestled like a little guy. He was quick. He was fast. He was explosive. Guy, guy was a freak of nature. Really was. And, and you'll see that, uh, guys, if you're watching the show with us, because just this, the German suplexes that you're going to deliver throughout this match and, and the way he takes the hip tosses and just uh, the athleticism is so apparent in this day. Not that he doesn't show it now and what he does in the WWE, but even more so, I feel like back in the, because you were at your peak and he's at his peak. And to see you two guys at this point, at this level, and the athleticism in this match is something to behold. Uh, and so I don't care if he said you're too short for me. I don't think so. Kurt, you look like you had that pit bull in you too, man. Well, you know what, Brock, the reason why he moved so well, he was a 98 pounder in high school. He wrestled 98 pounds his freshman year. He wrestled 105 his sophomore year. He was up to 126 his junior and senior year. Maybe went to 135. That's how big he got. Then he had this growth spurt in college. So he took those little guy, that little guy quickness with him when he got bigger yeah. and he ends up being this crazy freak of nature. He really is. He, he really is. So listen, Kurt, uh, your first match with, with him that we could find and, uh, Derek Sabata, who does a great job with the notes, helped research this episode was in September, uh, of 2002 in Minnesota at a house show where he defeated you. Do you remember that experience at all? This is your first experience with Brock. Well, him beating me, I don't remember. <laughs> no. Of course you don't. <laughs> no, uh, you know what? I think he was champion at the time. Am I right? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look it up, but uh, possibly. you got, One of you guys was always champion, it felt like, back then. Yeah, yeah. I think he beat The Rock for the world title, and uh, it was a house show. So I went in there. Yeah, probably after SummerSlam. You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Brock was the champion, so there was I couldn't beat him, you know, but they, they wanted me to uh, at least get in the ring with him and uh, – try to get some chemistry with them. So it was a good startup match for us. You're right. This was after the SummerSlam of Brock versus Rock. Uh, so talk about it though, Kurt. What was it like putting a match together with a young Brock Lesnar? Did he just let you call it, even though he was the champion? You know what? He let me call most of it, but he was also really good at that stuff. Uh, he he matured very quickly in pro wrestling. Um, he, he was always... Uh, very smart about uh, what he wanted to do. He uh, he never did anything that was never necessary. He always did the things that made sense, and that's what I liked about Brock. And him and I had great chemistry putting matches together. Your second match, Kurt, let's get into this, is a triple threat on December 16th, 2002 at a house show in Sarasota, Florida, with Big Show included. How much had Brock evolved in just those few short months? We're talking September to December. He was improving every single week. Just like when I started, Brock, Brock picked up on it so quickly and, uh, he, he might've been, uh, uh, as quick of a learner as I was. He really was. 
And then uh, you and I had just talked about, uh, it's in the archives, but No Way Out 2003, just a few weeks ago, about your short match at Madison Square Garden where you filled in for Hunter, and also then the handicap match at the pay-per-view after Edge's injury. Uh, there was the same match five days later in South Africa. Do you have any memories of that trip over in uh, South yeah. Africa? Yeah, well, the bastard broke my neck at No Way Out. So I, right. I, I didn't know it was broken, and uh, what happened was my arm went completely numb. I could barely raise my left arm and I'm in South Africa in excruciating pain. And uh, they want me to wrestle in this match. And I'm like, I can't do much. They said, just get in there, do a couple spots. And you know, there's going to be five guys in that ring. So you won't have to be in there most of the time. So uh, the, the whole, the whole issue though, going over there with my neck broken, being uncomfortable the whole time flying over, they flew me on business class, but they also had first class. And what happened was one of the, uh, Bill DeMott, one of the guys in the office, uh, he had a first-class seat because they were overbooked in business class, so he ended up getting a first-class ticket. He got lucky. And uh, what he did is Bill offered me that first-class ticket so I could sit in first class and be more comfortable on the That's trip nice. home, which was really cool of Bill. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So listen, that sets the stage for where we're at now, this Ironman match. Real quick, knowing it's a two-hour show, Kurt, and you got one legit hour, even though you'll see here it's about 45 minutes of wrestling, there, there's got to be pressure, right? On you and Brock, first time network television doing an Ironman match. Are you guys feeling it, or are you just like, hey, we, let's just go out there and kill it? No, we, we went out there and killed it, man. Uh, you know what? I get nervous before every match. So does Brock. We're, we're human. You know, we know how big of an event this was. We know it was promoted like crazy. We just had to step up and do it, and we were both ready for it. But this is an Ironman match, right? So listen, there's one as uh, as this drops this weekend on Sunday, Sunday night, we're going to see another Ironman match. We don't see these very often. The AEW one with Brian Danielson and MJF, 60 minutes. That's not 10, not 30. No, it's a long freaking time in the ring. A lot of going back and forth. It's cardio. Talk about going through and preparing and what it's like as you go through an Ironman match. What makes it so different aside from the obvious, which is, that 60 minute time frame. Well, besides being 60 minutes, there are, you know, it depends on how many finishes you have. And you have to remember every finish. We had seven in this match, which was quite a bit of finishes. It wasn't as much as the Rock and Triple H a couple of years prior, but it, it was enough to make it interesting. And, um, you know, you just have to pace yourself. Uh, if you exert yourself too much, you're going to get tired. You, nobody can last one hour going full steam. You know, you have to pace yourself. You have to, uh, you know, go in uh, different sections and, sure. uh, you know, your intensity raises, then it lowers and you, there are rest periods where you have to make sure you get your, give your body rest. Like right now, you know, we're not doing a lot. We're catching our breath. So uh, th that's really important in match. And you also have to have an incredible memory because, uh, and you have to improvise. You can't remember every single spot in an Ironman match. No One hour, it's impossible. So you have to map out your finishes and put fillers in between. And that's a lot of improvisation. And I've noticed too, you guys already through this match have done a nice job, either, you know, outside the ring action, inside the ring action, kind of changing that yes. up. Yeah. Well, listen, you guys obviously have a lot of history at this point as earlier in the year after you injured your neck, which you talked about at No Way Out. There was a question if you and Brock were even going to wrestle at WrestleMania. And there were backup plans, including you dropping the WWE title to Brock on SmackDown in your hometown of Pittsburgh. Did you ever have any doubts you wouldn't even be able to do that match? 
Uh, well, I told Vince, I can't do it. <laughs> you know, I told him like two weeks before I said, Vince, my neck's broken. I can't go. I'm going to have surgery. Following week. So it was a week scheduled for. And I remember when I was at home and I was getting ready for the surgery, it was coming up that following week. And I went over to my neighbor's house and there's this kid uh, named Johnny. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he has down syndrome. He came to me with a, a magazine, like a, uh, a cable magazine. And I was on the cover with Brock. He said, Kurt, I really wish you'd be able to wrestle WrestleMania. And he had a tear in his eye and I, I started crying. And you know what? I said, you know what? Why, why give him a match a week before WrestleMania? Why drop it to Brock? Why not just drop it to him at WrestleMania? I mean, I'll just tough through the match and I'll get through it. Because uh, what Vince wanted to do is uh, the SmackDown before WrestleMania, he wanted me to drop the title to Brock because I had to get rid of the title before um, I had my neck surgery. So I decided I was going to do it then. But when Johnny came to me and said that, I called Vince and I said, listen, I want to go at Mania. He said, are you sure? I said, yes, I'll, I'll protect my neck, uh, but I'll get through the match. But I mm. want to do it at WrestleMania. So I wasn't even supposed to drop the title at WrestleMania. I was supposed to win that match yeah. because my neck got broken. I had to drop it to Brock either before at WrestleMania or at WrestleMania. So that, that kid, Johnny inspired me to, uh, to go at WrestleMania. Ah, that's a great story. Listen, go back in our archives and check out the first episode of the Kurt Angle show where, uh, Kurt discussed WrestleMania 19 and that match, of course, the infamous finish with Brock landing on his head. But I want to discuss what happened after the match with you, Kurt, a little bit, that 19 match Brock's out of it. You're literally, you got that broken freaking neck, which, uh, you know, we've all heard about. Do you two talk at all after that match? Brock was out of it. He, he didn't even know who he was and he wasn't, uh, he wasn't able to be talked to like everybody was trying to calm him down. He was flipping out. He just wasn't listening to anybody, but he recognized my voice. I was like, Brock, you need to calm down. We need to take you to hospital. He was like, I'm not going to any hospital. I'm fine. I said, Brock, you need to go just in case there's something wrong with your neck or if you have a concussion, which he had a concussion. And uh, I was able to calm him down. He got in the ambulance and he ended up going to the hospital. But that's all the talking we did. That was it. And that was it after that match and after that little conversation, never talked about that match again, the two of you. No, no, uh, crazy. You know, with the botched spot that Brock had, you think Brock would say, "Hey, uh, you know." Remember, yeah, let's, yeah. It was never talked about, but you know what? That spot made my match one of the most famous matches of WrestleMania. Yeah. So it's what fans remember the most about it. So you know, when when fans remember you, even if it's for a botched spot, it's worth it. Because Kurt, honestly, most wrestlers, if they would have tried to do that, I mean, Kurt, Brock has a neck of a mastodon, you know, anybody else does that. And we're talking paralysis, you know? Oh I'm, yeah. Oh yeah. You know? Especially the way he landed forehead first. Yeah. That you're talking paralysis, the muscle around his neck protected his vertebrae because he should have had a broken neck doing a stunt like that. That was ridiculous. Oh. <sighs> Speaking of miracles, buddy, your miracle takes place uh, just a few months later when you make your return, and right away, you're teaming with Brock and Taker on a three-day Texas swing in mid-June. What was it like finally being on the same side as Brock, not against Brock? Uh, you know what? It was kind of cool, man, because uh, I felt like I was part of the dominating team rather yeah. than being a part of the heel team that got their asses kicked. So it was pretty cool to be a babyface with Brock and Undertaker. 
Now, we talked about all this you versus Brock. Was this when you were traveling with Brock, even though? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and then I traveled a lot together, especially when we were doing programs together, which is crazy. You're not supposed to travel with the partner that you're wrestling, but uh, we did. <laughs> Here they are walking in the hotel lobby together, Kurt and Brock, as they're supposed to be beating the shit out of each other on the loops. Yeah. So. But hey, like you said, it's not like he had like a ton of friends and, and you two just seem to seem to get along. Right. So there yeah, you go. We got along. Well, he was my brother. We, we went through a lot together, man. That's good. So you would team with Brock and Mr. America, Hulk Hogan and a loss to big show and the former team angle. Now the world's greatest tag team of Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin at Madison square garden for SmackDown, you Brock and Hulk together. Holy shit, dude. Who would ever think they'd see that in a, in a ring? <laughs> I didn't think that would happen in a million years. That that was quite an honor to be next to Brock and Hulk Hogan. Uh, that was really cool to team up with them. You know, it's funny, man. A lot of people talk about, and I just kind of, you know, just entered my mind here. A lot of people talk about Mount Rushmore, right? Greatest wrestlers of all time. And you think of Shawn Michaels and you hear this talk, Ric Flair or Hulk Hogan or John Cena or this or that. Why don't we ever hear Brock Lesnar's name mentioned there? This guy is, is unbelievable when you think about what he can do in the ring and what he's done in this business. Yeah, he deserves to be. And I think a lot of the reason is, you know, he didn't have a lot of incredible promo skills. Uh, don't get me wrong. He he can cut a promo. There's no doubt about it. But um, it wasn't one of his biggest strengths. His His look, his persona, and his in-ring ability were his biggest strengths. And I think that if you're talking about an overall entertainer, you're going to have to go with the promo skills too. And Brock was good at it. Don't get me wrong. He just wasn't the best. I also think, you know, whether it's the time off period in between the two runs, right? This run here and then the run that he's having now. And also I think what probably hurts him is that some people will always view, and it's it's true, is that he uh, doesn't work a full-time schedule. And I think that uh, that's always going to kind of hurt. That's agreeable too. You know, uh, Undertaker worked his ass off for like 20 straight yeah. years. He did. Then eventually he got a part-time schedule. Brock only worked a few years and he got a part-time schedule. So that was a little different. Yeah. So I think, uh, those two things, because you cannot discount what this man can do in the ring or his presence when he comes out, when his music hits, what he's able to do in the ring, it feels box office. It's it, next it level he's money. He is huge money. He's, he's a box office hit. You're exactly right. Yeah. Well, listen, coming out of mania, were you hoping you get at least one more singles match with Brock on the big stage or were you know, you just thinking, man, we did, our, we had our big WrestleMania moment at WrestleMania 19. And, oh, and that you was know it. what? I knew we were just beginning at WrestleMania 19. I knew that I was going to make my way back. We we're going to have a program together, which we did. And I beat him at SummerSlam. And then this was the rubber match here. Yeah. And, uh, I think I wrestled Brock a couple more times after this, but, uh, Basically, after this, uh, you know, the story was pretty much dead. Well, back to this match as we just watch you to continue to uh, put on a clinic here. The psychology of putting something like this together. Do you remember if you guys worked with an agent? And if so, who it was for this Iron Man match, Kurt? Yeah, we had Pat Patterson and Johnny Laurinaitis, the two best agents. And uh, they worked extremely well with us. They had a couple ideas in. But for the most part, Brock and I put it together. Uh, we were both really good at doing that. So we didn't need a, a lot of help, uh, but, but they did assist us. Do you, did you guys spend any time maybe watching any of the previous Iron Man matches to get a feel for them? Or did you two just know, Hey, this is what <laughs> we're supposed to do. You know what? I don't think Brock did. I did. <laughs> okay. I watched Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Nice. Um, 
which was an incredible Iron Man match. It didn't have a finish the whole hour, yeah. uh, which made what made it even more amazing. And then I, I also watched The Rock versus Triple H, which had nine falls in it. We had seven here, so I wanted to go somewhere in between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and and Triple H and Rock, and we ended up deciding on seven falls for this match. We thought it'd be perfect. So besides this match, because I know you'd pick this one, out of those other two, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Rock, Triple H, which one was your favorite Iron Man match? Oh, more impressive was Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels because there was no finish. And the match was exciting as hell uh, for not having a finish. You have to remember, you have an Iron Man match with no finish for a whole hour. It's going to be boring. This match was not boring. It was really good. It, it really was like the, to me, the energy that is, you have to be able to display for, like I said, almost next to 60 minutes, not only for the audience in the crowd, but you've got to captivate a television, television audience through commercial breaks. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it doesn't stop. You know, it's not like, uh, when the, when the TV goes off and you cut the commercial that you get a rest, you have to wrestle through that. Wow. So, and, and, and you got to make sure you're, you're doing a good enough job to keep folks' attention. So when that commercial happens, they don't change the channel either. And they want to come back and see what's continuing to happen. That, that is the problem with a lot of matches. When they go to commercial, they put a guy in a rest hold and they don't do anything until they come back out of commercial. We didn't want to do that. We wanted to have action all, all the whole time. Mm. Well, Kurt, on a mid-July 2003 tour of Asia, Brock would defeat you and Big Show in a triple threat uh, matches in Bangkok thailand and japan do you have any memories of those trips or, or times when you got to do those matches over in <laughs> bangkok and thailand kurt you were everywhere i didn't even know i was there <laughs> i don't even remember <laughs> my, my brain is just a fog right now i i can't remember those matches at all but obviously i did them we yeah i mean it's like uh it's like when the guys went out hangover when they went to vegas and couldn't remember their time that was kurt and, that was kurt in bangkok and thailand and japan uh man but listen you would regain the wwe title over brock and big show up vengeance in 2003 which you can check out here in the archives man we've covered a lot of stuff on this show do you think this would lead to you having one more big program with brock or like you said earlier just a few minutes ago you felt hey our story was kind of dead after this iron man match well, I would have loved to, but the, there just wasn't any interest of, of continuing with Brock and I. And not long after this, I think Brock ended up leaving the company. So uh, there was no possibility for that to happen. Were you surprised, though, that they had you pin Brock to win the title versus uh, pinning the Big Show? Uh, yes and no. But you know what? I think they wanted to protect Big Show at this particular time, and they, they didn't want him doing jobs all the time. And, and they're rightfully so. He's the, he's the giant. And uh, sometimes you have to protect him to, in order to keep him at that um, prestige level that he he's at. So I think they felt that Brock uh, having a fall on him wouldn't hurt him. So, uh, you know, that's that's probably why they did that. So here we go. We got a ref bump. He's knocked out. You're, you got uh, Brock down for the pin. Nobody's coming in. So nice little twist here of the Iron Man match. What do we do in this circumstance? You had him in the ankle lock. Oh, whoops. Sorry about that. Oh, what a clothesline. That referee just took some serious shit right there. <laughs> a clothesline by Brock. That's serious. Yeah, yeah. He's lucky his head's still attached to his shoulders. Uh, but, Kurt, you'd work with Brock on house shows in Calgary and Edmonton in early August to start to get ready for SummerSlam 03 from Phoenix. And coming off your neck injury and Brock's usual suplex-based offense, did you guys decide, hey, there's a couple of moves here, Brock, that should be off limits, like Germans or anything? Or was it just, hey, let's just go? 
Listen, if I would have said to Brock, you can't German suplex me or belly to belly me, he would have called me a fucking pussy. Okay? <laughs> There's no way I can say that. Uh, when you get in the ring with Brock, you got to be ready to get annihilated. And uh, I, you know, I'm the same way. I, I wouldn't expect anybody to tell me, hey, ease up. Um, I want to do what I want to do. I'll, I'll do my move safely. Brock always did his move safely. So I wasn't that concerned. Although I did have a broken neck that was on the men. But, uh, you know, I, these are some, you know, some of the things that really got me was uh, when Brock hit me with a chair shot one time, he broke my neck again. So oh my uh, God. I can't remember if there's, that was before or after. I think it was uh, after this. So, uh, I, yeah, Brock wasn't really worried about if he was going to hurt you or not. It wasn't if he was going to hurt you. It was when and how he was going to hurt you, Kurt, is what I'm learning <laughs> yeah, here. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Whether it was throwing you in the ring turnbuckles, whether it was a chair, he, he just dragged the referee over to make a pin. One, two, and there's a fall right there. Uh, the referee's like, what are we at? We're at two for Angle and three for Brock, and we're about a half hour into the match as it continues. Four for Brock, two for Angle. Oh, did he just go up one? Yep, the counter just went up. I have uh, my research over here as well. So, Kurt, you'd get the uh, your main event match against Brock at SummerSlam, but it's not the top of the card, man. The Elimination Chamber match for the Raw title was. It's Hunter, Goldberg, Jericho. Listen to these names. Hunter, Goldberg, Jericho, Shawn Michaels, Randy Orton, and Kevin Nash were in the main event. I mean, were you disappointed you weren't in the main event or you're like, Hey, these guys are pretty much all hall of famers in the elimination chamber. Listen, I would have been upset if there's Brock in my first match. It wasn't Brock and I wrestled at WrestleMania okay. for the main event. So, uh, I don't blame them for doing that. And that was a big elimination chamber match it was a huge match, big stars in it. So <sighs> that was definitely, that that's definitely deserved to be the main event considering Brock and I already main evented at WrestleMania. Uh, I'm going to read Dave Meltzer's uh, review of that match as you go up to the top and you're coming down outside. Now, I haven't seen you do that too many times outside of the ring like that. I never did that. That was the first time I ever that did was, it. That was Macho Man Randy Style-esque with the uh, hammerlock yeah. coming off the outside of the ring there off the top. I love it. So uh, Meltzer says, Kurt Angle retained the WWE title over Brock Lesnar in 21 minutes, 19 seconds. Lesnar dominated early, including pressing Angle overhead and dumping him over the top rope. He did an overhead belly-to-belly -belly and even a luchador uh, spinning backbreaker. Lesnar did a high fisherman-like leg hook ending in a Samoan drop. Lesnar potatoed Angle with a kick to the mouth. Ouch. Angle was bleeding from the mouth after that one. He didn't give a shit when he wrestled you, Kurt. He just beat the hell out of you. Uh, finally, Lesnar... You know Hold on, I got to tell you something. Yeah. Anytime I stiffed him, he's like, what, what, do I owe you money? You keep stiffing me. He always complained about it. I never complained when he stiffed me. Well, he stiffed you here. He just freaking kicked you right in the mouth and bloodied your mouth. And it said, finally, Lesnar missed a shoulder block and went into the post. Angle hit three German suplexes. Lesnar came back with another overhead belly to belly. And you're going to the top now for a moonsault, it looks like. Oh, picture perfect, but just no one home. You never landed that unless it was you were, you were going to break what's-his-name's arm, uh, Hardcore Holly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Angle hit three German suplexes. Lesnar came back with another overhead belly to belly. He set up the F five, but angle was supposed to turn it into a DDT as it was. This spot was botched badly. Luckily they went right back and did it again. So we all found out what they missed. Angle went for the ankle lock, but Lesnar escaped and angle crashed into referee. Mike Kyoto, my guy angle did a reverse triangle from Lesnar's back 
Angle changed it into an ankle lock, but it was a rope break. However, there was no ref to call for a break. Lesnar finally tapped, but again, no ref. Vince came out and made the save with a chair shot to the back. Lesnar selling the ankle, did a one-legged F5, which was cool. Angle would kick out. He tried for another, but Angle turned into the ankle lock. Lesnar kept making the ropes, blah, blah, blah. He made the ropes three times, but no break, and finally tapped out. After the match, Angle gave Vince an angle slam on the chair. Oh, I love you. Bet you love that. that a hell of a match. <laughs> he, they, he gave you four and a quarter stars for oh. that match. So there you go, man. Not I'm sure I'm sure you guys had to be happy with that match, huh? Oh yeah, we were happy. It was it was a great match. Well structured. Uh, we performed every move properly. Uh the only thing was the bot spot. And that do you was remember my- that? Yeah, do you remember yes. that happening? Well, what happened was when I get up, got up on Brock's shoulders for the F5, I was limp. You're supposed to stiffen your body gotcha. so Brock can clear you over his head. And I didn't realize that at that moment that I had to be like stiff. And uh, he kept saying, stiff up, stiff up. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he went to do it, and we botched it. So when he got me up again, I realized what he wanted me to do, and I stiffened my body, and then we were able uh, to do it. Do you feel like that match kind of helped make up a little bit for the WrestleMania match? That, you know what I mean, as far as how oh, it ended and everything? We, we had another botched spot in this. I know, but still, it's, he gave it four and a quarter. So that's Well, at least good. it wasn't the finish of the match. So yeah. you're right about that. Yeah. So I'm glad that the botched spot was earlier. But I, I thought this match was every bit as good as the WrestleMania 19 match. The only reason why it wasn't as good is because the WrestleMania, WrestleMania 19 match was at WrestleMania. There you go. And then uh, this would eventually lead to the match we're watching right now. The build of this one is one of the great builds, and I want to talk about it like uh, a little bit about it. Do you feel, though, before we get into the build, that this should have been on pay-per-view, or are you good that it was on a SmackDown? I'm good it was on SmackDown. I mean, to have a free Iron Man match on TV, heavily recruited, uh, knowing that everybody at home is going to be watching, more people will be watching on regular TV than on pay-per-view. And I thought this was a great, great concept for WWE, a free giveaway match for the fans. Yeah. And not only that, man, Hey, it's, it's going to boost up ratings. They get to see some great wrestling. I, I, I feel like it's nice to be able to have big matches you know like this. We had great ratings this night and usually historically Iron Man matches never do well. Ratings wise, this did well. So let's talk about the build here, Kurt. On SmackDown, uh, August 28th, 03 from El Paso, Meltzer said Brock Lesnar gave one of the best promos of his career as he cried about losing to Angle. He cried. Angle interrupted on the big screen and said he'd make him tap again. Undertaker came out and confronted Brock and said he wants a title shot before Brock gets a rematch. Big Show came out and he said the same. Angle then came out. Stephanie came out and announced a three-way match later to determine the number one contender. Undertaker beat Big Show and Brock Lesnar in 18 minutes when he pinned Brock after a last ride. You were on commentary for that match, Kurt. Brock isn't very well known for his promo skills. You just talked about it, Kurt, but this was a hell of a promo. Do you think he gets a bad rap for his verbal skills? Because I feel like he can deliver when it when it counts. He can be fun. He can be funny. He could be intense. Brock has the gift of gab. He does. He just doesn't do it as much as he should. Hmm. I, th- I agree with you. He had the mouthpiece Paul Heyman for a long time, but I feel like when he does get the opportunity, he has a certain way that he can deliver. And uh, when he does put his heart into it, man, he, he does a nice job. So then the next week, Kurt, from SmackDown on September 4th from New Orleans, 
Uh, Meltzer said Kurt Angle fought Undertaker to a no decision at 20 minutes after Brock attacked both. Meltzer gave it three and a quarter stars. Angle was shown backstage with an ice pack on his nose and back. Did Taker bust you up at all? Here, Kurt, do you remember any of this? The ice I pack. I recall Taker usually doesn't bust anybody up. So if he did it, uh, it was uh, very rare for him to do that. Uh, you know what's crazy? He gauges his punches, and his punches look so good, but they never touch you. Mm. So um, I don't know what happened. It's probably this part of the story. Maybe a boot to the mouth because he yeah. has the high boot that he does. That might have been the reason I was bleeding. So Vince McMahon then announced in mid-ring that Angle would face Brock in a 60-minute match on the September 18th SmackDown. September 18th, 2003. Paul's Bromwell's 26th birthday, Kurt Angle, it would be <laughs> celebrated by this Iron Man match. What a crazy life I live. Isn't that something I was yeah, doing? How ironic. I know. There you go. I was having birthday cake watching you and Brock beat the shit <laughs> out of each other. So they showed Brock on the big screen torturing a tied up Zach Gowan to prove to Vince he had a killer attitude. He shoved Zach down a flight of stairs. This is one of those moments that made Brock look like a killer dude. But what do you remember uh, of the one-legged Zach Gowan? I remember he was very talented. <laughs> you he know, was, for a man. kid with one leg, he could do just about anything. He was pretty incredible. Uh, uh, what what happened was, I think he just got a little bit too egotistical. Uh, he let the the fame get to him, and uh, I don't think the, anybody on you know on the roster or in the office appreciated that. So, you know, it was just, he made some certain comments that made him look like an a-hole. And uh, I believe that's the reason why they let him go. I, I thought he was a great talent, though. But, dude, that's all it takes. You can be as talented as everything, but once you start knowing it and uh, acting like it, it, it turns people off, man. I totally get it. Do you remember when the ideas first brought to you, Kurt, about, hey, let's try an Iron Man match with you guys? You know what? This came from creative uh, probably a month before this match started. Uh, they they threw the idea at me, and I immediately said, yes, let's do it. We just have to figure out when. And it, it ended up uh, transpiring about a month after the idea came to fruition. Yeah. So we move forward. It's September the 11th now, 03, Birmingham, Alabama, SmackDown, backstage, Vince asked Sable if Gowan, who got hurt last week by Brock, and then and as soon as Vince starts doing that, Stephanie runs in and interrupts Kurt. She rants. Vince made her wrestle Brock in the main event later or give up her GM job. Yes, that's a real sentence. Vince introduced Brock. Steph then came out to accept the challenge. This is, <laughs> this is all true. Br Brock threw her around ringside. Okay. She kicked Brock and Vince in their crotches and escaped. <laughs> Brock brought her back to the ring. Angle made the save. Oh, look at you saving Stephanie. Hey, that's my girl, Stephanie. Oh man, so many times on this show, we've just seen you be there for her. This is great. Were you surprised though to see Sable back in the WWE at this time? Yes, but you know what? It was quite a treat because she was still in her prime. She looked incredible. She is a and, treat. Uh, you got I do that remember, right. Remember, you know when she came back? That's when Brock and I, Brock and her, uh, started their little romance. You know, so uh, you know Brock uh, was certainly happy that she came back. <laughs> You can say that again. That was my next question. Is this when they started their whole, uh, their whole yes, you know, yes. relationship? This is when it started. Yes. 
<sighs> Always a fan of Sable, man. Uh, no doubt about it. So listen, the weekend before the Iron Man match, Angle and Lesnar do a longer house show match. Uh, this is from uh, from the Observer, a 32 minute match, and you won. It was in Roanoke, Virginia, on September 13th. I'm sure all these matches are starting to uh, blend together, but it's almost like, hey, let's uh, let's go a little over 30 and start to test ourselves out here. Wouldn't you say that's probably what you guys are working on a little bit? Oh yeah, yeah. We wanted to go over thirty minutes to test it out to see, uh, you know, how, how uh, well conditioned we were. Uh, if we could put some ideas together to at least go over thirty minutes, uh, so, so that we would have the confidence to go the uh, the full hour. Yeah. Uh, so this was like a starter match for the Ironman. So check this out, Kurt. The next night on uh, on September fourteenth, so that was the thirteenth. You guys go to Richmond. Lesnar blows his knee out while wrestling a yep. tune up match. And the next night in Greenville, North Carolina, he and you only did about a minute match with much interference to protect him. The exact nature of the inju- uh, injury hasn't been determined. The first diagnosis was floating cartilage in the knee, which caused it to lock. But there was some fear by the next night that it was a torn ACL. Do you remember all this nonsense going on with his knee? Yes, yes. It was a nightmare because, it, you know, this could have ended Brock and I's, uh, uh, my Ironman match. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it was uh, cartilage, okay. And uh, you know, so it wasn't that serious. And I think Brock just muscled through it, just got through it. And that's you know, he's just a tough son of a bitch. Kurt, there's no uh, two ways to uh, kind of transition into this, other than this is kind of a serious topic that I want to talk to you about a little bit back here in 2003. And uh, around this time, you had to deal with a very big loss of your own, man, and that was uh, your sister passing away, which I heard you talk about during the A&E documentary. Uh, How tough was that on you and your focus, your family, all that kind of going through that loss at this time? Uh, She was my sister, and... uh she, she was a really good woman. She just got uh, involved with a couple of bad marriages and it, it, it reduced her to taking drugs. She uh, ended up overdosing on uh, heroin, uh, which, which was really sad. Um, I loved her so much. And this was the night before the Ironman match. Mm. Uh, I, you know, Vince called me and said, Hey, you don't have to do the Ironman match tomorrow. And I thought my sister's going to want me to do it. Uh, if I don't do it in her name, then, uh, you know, I'm going to be a coward. So I decided I was going to do it, even though I didn't want to. Uh, I just wanted to go home. I basically uh, put together the funeral uh, for my sister. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, my family not having a lot of money. I paid for the funeral, and uh, and I had to do this all while I was on the road. Uh, you know, I had to get things set up and everything for the weekend. And this this match was during the week, so um, I had to get everything set up while I was on the road here at this Ironman match. It was the toughest thing in the world for me to do. Um, you know, I was making phone calls and trying to get uh, everything set up for the, for the funeral home and then the cemetery and, uh, getting the priest set up to have the, you know, the, 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 the mass. Uh, so it was so hard. I had so many things going on in my head. This was my outlet. This is why, where I got to forget for an hour and just do what I do best. And, you know, it's just, it's just really hard for me to even talk about it. I'm sure. What was her name, Kurt? Leanne. Leanne. Okay. Yeah, no, uh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, Definitely not easy, but I think it just provides context context for what you were really going through in life at this point. We talk about the wrestling, we joke and have fun, but man, this is real life, you know? 
Yeah, you know what? I, I had the I had a painkiller problem at this particular time. So I, me myself, I was taking opiates, and uh, I remember the night before this match. Uh, I didn't want to feel the pain and, uh, my sister dying. I, I ended up taking a, a little bit too many painkillers and, uh, I passed out and woke up the next day late in the morning. And I was like, what, what happened? You know, it's almost like I, I overdosed, but, uh, I came to eventually without anybody's help, which, uh, I don't know if that counts as an overdose, but, uh, it did make me pass out until the next day. And, uh, you know, at least I slept that night, you know, not having sure. to think about my sister, but, uh, it was the wrong choice for me. I made a, made a bad choice doing that, but you know what? Um, I was able to be ready for this match and, and, and that I was, it. and that was the day of this match that you, that you were able to wake yourself up. Yeah. Wow. Unbelievable, man. Well, listen, you know what you, uh, you have led experiences like that kind of help drive you and motivate you as you continued your life and you've got cleaned up and sobered up and now it's part of your story man and it's part of how you have uh, become an inspiration to so many and part of what you've been able to overcome in your life and i know you well, came well, yeah thank you paul but I, I don't like to be um uh um I don't like to not talk about it. I think sure. that if I do talk about it, it helps me and it helps other people Absolutely. through their situations too. So I'm very vocal about it. I never hide what, what occurred in my life because I feel like if I can help anybody, just one person, it'll be worth it. You know, and I, and I say this, this is, we're way outside of the notes here on, on what's going on here, but I had you come out and talk to uh, a group of folks here at my, my corporate event and you shared a lot of your background and your story. And man, can I tell you how many people came to me after that and said how, what you shared there that night kind of changed them, uh, and, and touched them in a way that they were not even expecting. And, um, the, uh, the fact that you're willing to be vulnerable and share some of that with people, you never know the impact it's going to make on their life. So I really appreciate you being willing to do that. So I, th I thank you. you Paul, and thanks for the opportunity. I, I felt good about doing it and letting people know that there is hope, you know, yeah. even if you're in trouble, there's a way out and you just have to find it. And man, uh, you know, as we watch this match, realizing what you were dealing with, like you said, this was your escape. This was the ring between these ring ropes and what you and Brock are doing here and putting on a hell of a match. Uh, for you, this was your getaway. You know, you were able to get out here and do this. This was therapy. Uh, yeah, it's just you. an hour a break away from everything. It was, and man, you were killing it. You're crushing it. You got him right now in the ankle lock. It's uh, four minutes left of this match. Brock's uh, at five wins. You're at three. You've got him in an ankle lock. You're trying to keep him away from the ropes. I'm going to read the recap uh, to you now, Kurt. Uh, there it goes. He taps out. So it's five to four. We're coming to the end here. I'm going to read the recap of what uh, Dave Meltzer had to say about this match, and, and we'll go from there. He says, Lesnar went ahead five falls to two, leaving Angle with about 15 minutes to play catch-up before 6,000 fans at the RBC Center. Angle ended up being down by one fall, and that's where we're all right now. This is perfect timing with less than five minutes left, and hit near fall after near fall after near fall before finally locking on a heel hook with 30 seconds left. We're about to see this. Lesnar survived the move until the bell rang, making him the brand new champion. Lesnar wins the championship. The title switch was done with Lesnar working as a heel, but it was done without any outside interference in any of the falls. After the match was over, an emotional angle left to a huge ovation. 
and told the fans that it wasn't for them, if it wasn't for them, he'd have never made it back from his latest broken neck. And Kurt, you know what? When I think about this and read this, and I read that line, after the match was over, an emotional angle left to a huge ovation. At the time, fans had no idea what's going on in your life. But now we can provide, you provided further context of there was a lot of emotion pumping through Kurt Angle for a lot of reasons that evening, you know? And yeah, so it yeah. just definitely it, for my sister, you know, my neck was uh, an afterthought. I wasn't even worried about that at this particular time, but it just had to do with my sister. And, and like I said before, doing this match gave me a break away from man just for that one hour. There you go. Uh, Meltzer said the match was different than many would have anticipated. There was little in the way of mat wrestling and far less submission usage than one would expect of a match that went a legitimate 60 minutes to the second live. Um, it was mostly standing wrestling and moves like suplexes and clotheslines. Lesnar did a lot of stalling early and late in the match, but he did spots where he was trying to, there wasn't a lot of spots where he was trying to run out the clock. It appeared that angle was never tired at any point. <laughs> well, Lesnar did at least appear tired a few times. Wow. So he's putting you over that you were just, didn't even look like you were tired, Kurt. Both I always had impeccable conditioning. I, there. I, I've only blown up once and I will never admit it. I'll admit it for one time right here. It was against Stone Cold Steve Austin at a house show in Fresno, California. And he always says, don't forget Fresno angle. <laughs> I love it. Yep. It. Yeah. He, uh, and, and I love it. Meltzer, uh, called the savage spot. He said both used everything in their regular repertoires with angle. Also adding a Randy Savage double sledge off the top rope outside the ring. I did it uh, in memory of Randy. <laughs> he said um, he did a missile drop kick. And for the first time in a long time, a missed moonsault. All right. So he even called that out. He said the live crowd was into the match far more than the Hart Michaels match. Wow. There you go. There was something of a lull uh, from about the 30-minute mark until close to 45 minutes, but it was more than a made up for uh, by the strong finish. Guys, listen, if you're not watching this along, I would tell you, take the time to go back and watch this match. There is just nonstop action between these two. Um, and he said the first fall ended at the 8-minute 30 mark when Lesnar was uh, disqualified for a chair shot that laid Angle out. Lesnar came back and got two quick falls, one with an F5 at about the 11-minute mark and a second when Angle returned the favor from SummerSlam, tapping to an ankle lock at 12 minutes. Lesnar's up 3-1 at the 20-minute mark with an F5 on the floor. There was the old, uh, did we just see the nut shot on the referee? Yes, we did. Okay, I'm reading through these notes here. Um, so, uh, as I continue, Lesnar continued to dominate angle for several minutes until angle hit an angle slam out of nowhere to score a pin at 26 minutes. And in a spot, the Garner controversy, Lesnar clothesline referee, Brian Hebner, who was laid out for several minutes. We saw that we thought, uh, Hebner was going to have his head detached from his body. Angle had Lesnar beat while he was going on. However, the ref down Lesnar laid angle out with a belt shot and got the pin with 30 minutes, 31 minutes. Lesnar went up five to two at 44 minutes. Uh, Angle's comeback saw them tease Lesnar at the top for a shooting star, but Angle ran up to the ropes and gave him a belly-to-belly -belly superplex at 50 minutes. 
Angle started working on the ankle and got Lesnar to tap to the ankle lock at 55 minutes, and the match just ended. Uh, so we're going to take it off the screen here as I finish the recap. The last nearly five minutes saw Angle dominate. It was a combination of Angle getting near falls and Lesnar attempting to stall out the clock. Angle finally gave Lesnar an F5, throwing his knee into the ring post, playing on the spot done by Lesnar in December to set up Angle's needly, uh, needing arthroscopic knee surgery. This spot, plus setting up the leg submission, can be used as storyline in case Lesnar may have to take some time off. The match ended, which we just saw, with Angle hitting seven German suplexes. Guys, seven on Brock Lesnar, okay? Before putting on a heel hook, which was the move he beat Chris Benoit with at the Royal Rumble in what was generally considered the company's best match before this one of the year. Lesnar survived the final 30 seconds to win 5-4. to four. Kurt, it's all over. Do you consider it a success? And is Vince McMahon happy with it? Yeah, yeah, it was a huge success. I, I was so happy with the match. I thought it was incredible. I thought it was well mapped out, uh, well planned, and well executed. And uh, Vince was really happy about the match as well. Now, Vince is happy with it. You thought it went well. What about Brock? Do you two talk about it? Are you guys uh, happy hey, with it? you know what? He hugged me. He was, he was so happy about the match. He gave me a big hug. He said, great job tonight. And you know what? Brock was traveling with me at this time. And uh, he was there for me when my sister passed away. And uh, we had a we had a trip. We were at a house show the night before this Ironman match. And uh, we had like a three-hour drive. And I found out my sister died at the house show. And I bawled my eyes out. And Brock had to drive with me for three hours after that. Oh. And, and But he really... He spoke to me. He talked to me. He told me I'm here for him, uh, for you know, for me. Um, that if I needed anything, you know, just let him know. Uh, he was a really kind friend, and uh, uh, it made me feel more more secure about where I was, where I was at this point. Like uh, not being able to be home with my sister. Sure. Uh, you know, having Brock being there and just being a good friend to me. That was that was something I'll never forget. Oh, absolutely. And it also, it's just, it's one of those times that you share a moment with a special friend that you can always look back on and be like, Hey, that was a special memory. You were there for me at that time. Uh, this would be Kurt, one of the last matches you had with Brock as later on in the year in Stockton, California, you would team with Eddie and hardcore Holly to defeat Brock big show and a train at a house show. Uh, it would have been fun though, just to see you guys do a little bit more, uh, later on in your career, but you guys didn't end up in, you ended up in different places, right? You that's did wrestle point. together in Japan and Tokyo in 2007, but yeah, that's, we had that match for IWGP, which was a really good match too. Yeah. But that's, uh, that's pretty much, uh, where we put a bow on Kurt and Brock Lesnar, but man, what a great match this was. If you guys have not checked it out, please do everything that you can to uh, check it out. I mean, a lot of fans were hoping to see you guys in the octagon at some point. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> we, we were talking about it actually, you know, after my IWGP title match with Brock, I won Brock came to me and said, Hey, ask for a rematch. I'm like, I won the title. Why am I going to ask for the rematch? <laughs> he said, cause they won't give me one unless you ask. <laughs> so he said he wants to do an MMA style match with me. And, uh, he wanted me to talk about it at the press conference after I beat him for the IWGP yeah. title. So he wanted me to do all of it. And he just wanted to be the guy standing there. Like, I, you know, I guess he wants a rematch with me. <laughs> 
<laughs> one more, uh, one more Brock question. Then we're going to ask a couple fan questions and then we'll, uh, we'll get out of here this week, man. This was, uh, this was a lot of fun, by the way. I really enjoyed doing this with you. What did you think of Brock ending the undertaker streak? Kurt? Um, if anybody's going to do it, you want somebody as legitimate as Brock Lesnar. I don't see why any promoter would ever let anyone else, but Brock Lesnar break an undefeated streak. He deserves that because he's so dominating and he's such a freak of nature that it, it wouldn't hurt uh, Undertaker's credibility. He's probably the only guy that wouldn't hurt Undertaker's credibility. And and I think that was I think that was the best thing they did. I don't think they should have ended Undertaker's undefeated streak. Okay, yeah, if right. They did. Brock Lesnar. Let it be Brock. You don't think they should? That's what I was going for. But if it's anybody, let it be Brock. Uh, Let's uh, uh, round it out with a few fan questions. Jambad Jones, he said, did anyone ever make the mistake of calling Brock Shooter Boy? And did they ever make that mistake twice? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, wait a minute. Why is Shooter Boy like an insult? Yeah, just like it. He's just trying to be funny. Yambag's hilarious. He's a funny guy on ad free shows. Okay. And he's like, did anybody ever make that damn mistake of calling him Shooter Boy? (laughs) Well, if they did, it's actually a compliment. So, yeah. I'm not going to be mad about that. Uh, Amy Miller's up next. Uh, uh, She said, event spectacle aside, which match with Brock Lesnar were you most proud of? The under uh, the Iron Man match, uh, a, a lot of things went into that because it was an hour, uh, because my sister passed away the night before, and I dedicated that match to my sister. Uh, but but the match just flowed really well. I believe it's the best Iron Man match of all time. Now that I'm in the match, so obviously I'm going to be a little more favorable <laughs> to me. But I really did think it was. I thought it was an incredible story. It had enough balls to to add the excitement to it. I thought it was a perfect Ironman match. It's close mm-hmm. to perfect as you can get. With two amazing athletes. Francis Reyes is our last question. Did he ever ask you for any advice to go into the Olympic Games to win a medal? <laughs> he never was interested in the Olympics. Uh, right out of college, he got recruited by Jerry Briscoe uh, for the WWE, and that's where he went. Um, would Brock have done well? Yes, he would have. I believe that he would have made it to the Olympics. I don't know if he would have medaled. I think... Uh, there was a chance he could have. Uh, he just has a lot of athletic ability, and uh, the kid's really smart too. So um, I think that Brock Lesnar could have had a great Olympic career, but he didn't want. Well, Kurt, that's uh, we're going to put a bow on this episode. Next week, we're going to discuss another favorite opponent of yours. You brought him up on this show because he, uh, you know, you, he got you winded, and it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. So oh boy, gonna have, yeah, we're going to have some fun next week, guys. Before we get out of here, a few reminders: make sure you check out adfreeshows.com. Early, ad-free, nine bucks a month. What else do you need to know? And right now, they're doing a free trial, you so you can get a taste of it. So go over there now and start your free trial today. They got a new mailbag over there. They all have the superstar one with uh, Mike Kyoto and myself that we host, but now they've added Nick Patrick. You remember Nick Patrick, the referee? He's over there on the opposite Monday doing his mailbag, so you got to check it out. we got lots of bonus shows happening. Kurt just watched uh, a match with he and Cody Rhodes. I mean, Cody, the American Nightmare, the guy that's going to headline WrestleMania. Kurt's had his hands all over him, wrestled him, and so uh, that's a fun watch along. Uh, JR just watched a Flair Steamboat match over there as well, so lots of good stuff over there and remember check out all of kurt's past top impact wrestling moments because he's got a ton of them impactwrestling.com forward slash packages and sign up with code kurt 
That really does uh, us a huge favor and helps us out. So please, uh, they've got a lot of great content over, over there, and you can watch basically a lot of Kurt's history. Uh, and then make sure you follow us on all of our social channels, whether it's Twitter, Instagram. Uh, again, we want to thank you for what you're doing with our YouTube channel. You can find it at youtube.com, The Angle Pod. Like, subscribe, turn on those notifications. Uh, and really, we're trying to do a nice job over there. Dominic is really doing a nice job managing the channel. want to thank him, but uh, make sure you check that out and support your boys at the Kurt Angle Show, and we'll love you for it. Kurt, let's talk about physically fit before we get out of here, man. All right. We got physically fit chicken snacks and snack smart crispy protein bites. One's or chicken protein, one's organic plant protein. Uh, you can get them at physicallyfit.com. There are 11 flavors. You're going to love them. We have sriracha, kung po, uh, buffalo, wild blue cheese. Um, uh, we also have cinnamon swirl, pizza, pizza flavor, uh, honey, a uh, sweet barbecue, a lot of great flavors. You're going to love them. High protein, low carbohydrate. The, I add these to my diet. And uh, I try to stay in great shape. And well, you do, Kurt. Really good. Yeah. Uh, go to physicallyfit.com to order yours. Yep. Angle Pod, 20% off. And uh, if you don't believe it, just look at Kurt. Every time he's on Raw now, he has a shirt off. And uh, it's all thanks to physicallyfit.com. <laughs> also, check out kurtanglebrand.com. That's where you're going to find it all. All things Kurt Angle, whether it's a t shirt, a birthday card, a cameo video, uh, a cowboy hat, milk carton. Kurt, you have loaded the site with lots of fun stuff. Yes, we did. Uh, cowboy hats, milk cartons, autographed photos, um, uh, birthday cards, and pretty soon, coming soon, I'm going to have signed medals, gold medals. Nice. Angle He's so showing them right here on YouTube. I love it. <laughs> and you can, uh, you can also get T-shirts. And uh, go on the site at KurtAngleBrand.com and order yours, and I'll send it right to you. There you go. Awesome. Well, listen, uh, it has been my honor and privilege to do this with you this week, Kurt. We'll be back again next week talking all things Stone Cold Steve Austin. On behalf of your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, this is Paul Bromwell. We'll see you right back here next week on The Kurt Angle Show. Hey, everybody. This is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day. Plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.